Ivis Hernandez is a 23-year industry veteran, stylist, father, educator, and entrepreneur with a hustle mentality, building a brand with an event production and clothing line. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. I am your host, Robert Hughes, and today I'm with Ivis Hernandez. How are you doing today, Ivis? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, happy to be here, joining you finally. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we had a we had a little bit of back and forth, and I'm glad to finally get on get something on the books. Uh, so I thought today would be a good time to like start just kind of get to know you and hear kind of uh, what your story has been and uh, what's kind of like kept you moving and uh, for today. How's that sound? Great. Sounds good. Sounds good. Cool. So why don't we start with like how'd you get in? How'd you get into hair? And uh, you know what's your story? So I kind of just. I almost accidentally fell into it. Uh, let me get this light a little bit closer. I kind of just, uh, sorry about that. I kind of just fell into it. I used to, you know, in high school, just with my, my friend used to cut my hair on the just fades and stuff. And then one day I bought a pair of clippers so he wouldn't have to bring his. And, and I had another friend that was over there was like, oh, I need a haircut. I need a haircut. And I was like, I think I know how to do it, you know? <laughs> and so he let me try it out and it didn't come out too bad. You know, it was decent enough to where he kind of kept letting me do it. And then, you know, I've cut a couple other friends, you know, charged, you know, started charging like back then, like $3 or something, you know, and, and then buying like five or something, $10. But then I was working after high school. I really, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do as far as college and there was like different avenues, but I was kind of like not on that mindset of like school, school, you know, because I was already like I graduated, but it wasn't like I was one of them. Uh, definitely wasn't an F student, but I wasn't definitely not an A student. Uh, I think because in school, I don't think they teach you like for everybody to learn the same way, you know, because as creatives, we don't learn like the people that are like word for word, write it down, you know. I can see something and write the notes down and understand it more of it than if I write word for word and listen and then I might not understand it. So college kind of wasn't like I knew I knew you had to go to college, but it wasn't like I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I knew it was going to be kind of like a waste of time where I'm like, I'm going to go party, you know, yeah. <laughs> hang out and you know, I'm going I'm to go party pretty much, but not yeah. I'm gonna waste money and not get the degree anyways you know and then which I was already hanging out with my friends there but the other thing is I when I was in high school that's when my uh, first kid was born and so I was in my senior year and uh, my first child's mother was like that's when we found out she was pregnant so I was still in high school so it wasn't like one of them things where you got time to like like when my friends were going to college I was like burping kids you know burping babies and stuff so i just remember i was, I was telling her when she told me that she was pregnant i was like okay don't tell your parents because i got this job interview like i didn't want them to tell her that, <laughs> even though we're still in high school you know but, so <laughs> because i knew how to cut guys hair. well my dad owned a machinist company which uh so my parents came from mexico and i was born here and uh so I definitely could say I learned a uh, huge work ethic from my father, even though, you know, because of my, I could say because of me, uh, 
growing up in a you know rough crowd and uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd, like gang members, you know, just hanging out with the wrong crowd. Uh, me and my dad didn't have such a good relationship growing up, even though my parents were married, but we didn't really talk because it was kind of like a disappointment. Not, you know, when you grow up, you see back, you know, and, uh, but he was always there for me, you know, and, but uh, definitely put uh, kind of a weird situation growing up because, and it was more the way I was behaving, you know, but I did learn a huge work ethic because my dad's been a crazy work, like work mentality, you know, and so he, like I say, he, they came from Mexico, and he learned in Mexico how to do machinery, like cleaning up the shops since he was like fourteen years old, and so that's how he even learned it when they came out here, and he was working at, I think, uh, he ended up working at Baker Hughes eventually, and uh, working the working the machines, you know, as a machinist, and he did that for I think ten years, and then eventually opened up his own business. And he had it for almost 20 years, had a machine shop and to where they had bought some property, went from a lease, bought some property and uh, built like a 10,000 square foot warehouse to in his own. And then eventually, you know, because of the oil industry kept going up and down and he was at the point where he wanted to kind of just retire. And uh, I could definitely see the difference in his uh, personality after he retired. He definitely feels more relaxed, but just I definitely learned a lot of like the work ethic and. Ain't nobody going to give you nothing if you don't work for it, you know? It's like, you can put your hand out, but if anybody gives you anything, it's only what they want to give you. And, you know, like what they used to say, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. Like, you can put your hand out. Somebody might hand you something, but if you don't, it's almost like I can hand you something, but what are you going to do with that type of thing, you know? And so oh. I've always learned, like, uh, it's up to you to show how hard you want to work, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I, I was working for my dad and that just wasn't my thing. It was like machinist and you work behind a machine and it was just very boring. Most of the people that worked there were like older, you know? And uh, so I didn't know what I wanted to do. So finally, I was going to go to barber school to just check it out. And actually my mom, when she was growing up in Mexico, my grandma knew how to cut hair and she opened up a salon in her uh in her house and uh so i still remember going to my grandma's house and she didn't have that no more but she still had like the the salon uh for the highlight chair the color yeah. dryer chair you know and a couple other things it was just but it was old and it was just i never clicked on until they told me like she used to have a salon there and so my mom knew how to cut like hair so she would cut the top of her hair and then my friend would fade the size of my hair, you know? And uh, so I never thought like, hey, I want to go do hair, you know? It was just one of them things like I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew you had to do something. And so I was like, I'm going to go to barber school. But then I was like, I went to check out a hair hair cosmetology school because you can, they say you can make more money doing women's hair. And then when I went there, I'm not going to lie. I always say this. There was a lot of good looking women there. And I was like, this cannot hurt, you know? And then, so literally that was one of the main reasons I joined. Cause I was like, this looks fun. And there's a lot of people <laughs> here that are good looking. So, and uh, so literally I was like, that was my thing. It was like, if this doesn't work, I'll just keep working for my dad. Cause I did that for, I think 
you know, two years in high school and then two, three years out of high school. But it wasn't like I took it serious. It was almost I was getting like the grunt work, you know. And so then I went to cosmetology school thinking like, let me try it out and let's see. You know how everybody, when I was growing up, that's how, you know, 20 something years ago, people didn't go to, they didn't respect hairdressers like they do now. You know, it was like, uh, they were known like, oh, I'll, I'll do this and, and then I'll get something else, you know? It was like a yeah. fallback plan or like a job, not a career, you know? People right. didn't, but in reality, like when I started hair school and started for working for a salon and you actually dig into it in Europe, they look at hairdressers and like as doctors and, and, uh, and like surgeons being because we're the one of the only industries that need a license to touch people like like in that way, you know, with like actually physically touch people and recommend stuff. You need a license to do this, you know. So that, and in Europe, I don't know how it is now, but they were saying like you do like your training program for like way longer, you know? like yeah, I think like, like three two years, or three years, four yeah. years. But when you're actually doing clients, you're like you're on the level of like a stylist that's been doing hair for a long time. Cause it's so, you know, to the point, but yeah. So when I went to hair school, it was like, I didn't know what it, I just kind of fell into it. And then I, I liked it. And so I was like, and the first salon I went to, they, it was like a lot of girls there, but they were trying to get more guys in there. And this guy that was at cosmetology school with me, he had told me about it because it wasn't far from there. But the, the thing is, I live in Houston, and it's Houston's large city. We're like one of the largest cities. And a lot of the main salons were to be at, and even nowadays, it is still is like it's in town, you know, like in town where is, that was like the cool place to where to be at, you know. And But the salon that was where I was at was like in the suburbs where you wouldn't think that type of salon, but because the owner was an educator, uh, it was like super trendy. So we would have people that would come from in town and all over Houston just to come to the suburbs to get their hair done. Cause and at, I think eventually we had, I think like nine Paul Metro educators that worked there because, because of her work ethic was like education, 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 you know? So I could definitely say like, it was a lot of uh, education and like you would come on your days off and fit. I could see now why, you know? And so I worked there, started there after cosmetology school. And like I said, they had a huge training program. So I went through that. And as a guy, I never, I never played with Barbies where you mess with the hair and all that. So like doing braids and all that didn't, like styling hair that didn't snap to me like how it does other people, you know? But what worked for me is I knew how to cut guys' hair. They guys, if you know how to cut their hair, they don't want to go to anybody else, you know. But that's how I started. And then they would send me their moms or girlfriends or sisters. And so I started building up my female clientele, which now I do, you know, guys with like five percent of my clients, maybe you know, a little bit more, but it's mainly color, color and a haircut is my thing now. But I just remember I started with guy clients because I knew how to do guy clients and then. And then I started with short women's haircut because a lot of 
people didn't know how to do like short women's hair because they would steer away from that, you know. And so that actually. So I got a, sorry, I got Go a question. Um, so how long did you uh, was your apprenticeship program, our training program before you got on the floor after cosmetology school? I think it was supposed to like. Usually it's like a year, maybe a little bit over that. I think mine was. 18 months or something, but I was getting clients. Like they would give you clients, you know, but uh, to what you know how to do. So they weren't going to give me like highlights and, or these, you know what I'm saying? Certain things. So you can only like grow so much as far as number wise, when you're only doing men's haircuts, you know? So if you're trying to like hit certain numbers, you know, so then you're staying in like, so to get out of your apprentice program, you have to hit a certain number even though you're still in it they're starting to give you like clients for like so if you're done with like your haircut classes they'll give you haircuts but you're still doing classes for color you know well how long did it sorry how long did it take until you started taking clients like uh even your first set of clients i mean were you probably like a a little bit uh on haircutting probably like a, a year Okay, so you were uh, assisting and taking oh, yeah. classes, and oh. you weren't doing any clients for a year. Nah, this is yeah. this was uh, like boy. That was the thing is we were getting paid minimum wage. It ain't like you. so. My thing is I learned how to do amazing shampoos. It's an experience because if you think about it, where do you start with the client? Is if you have an assistant or a training program, your assistant's the one that goes and takes them back and shampoos them. So my thing was like, hey, I'm going to get as many tips as I can. So sometimes, literally, after a while, I was getting like $20 to $100. I'm not, I mean, like, on certain days, like, but at least like $50, $40 to $50 a day just in tips on shampooing, you know? That wasn't like doing no service. That was just shampooing because, but we were like in a high-scale salon, you know, where you know, we were charging more, but still, it, I learned, like, if if you do a good shampoo, then then, then people are eventually going to, like, have a connection with you, you know? As an as a assistant, you got to get out of the mindset that, like, I'm an assistant and I, nobody wants to be an assistant forever if you went to school and paid that much money to go to cosmetology school, spend that much time. But what I tell people is, you didn't really... You learned about, you should have learned the basics in school, you know? So now you take these basics and I'm, and you're adding to them, you know what I'm saying? And so when you're adding to them, now knowledge is power. Knowledge destroys fear. When a, you can have anybody sit in your chair and, and you're not going to like be scared or like they're not going to throw you off because you knew the basics. Now you know how to do take that and create something with it you know you got to get out of the mindset of like i want to do hair because you do you're out of school and you're like man i've been i was tired of being in school now i'm doing this you know so and you get a minimum wage and at the time again like i said i had a kid so i was getting like this minimum wage paycheck that was like not good <laughs> right know? so uh but i i was seeing the bigger picture it's like you could go to a salon like right out of school, but how much do you know? How much can you grow? Do they do education? Like, you know, it, it, some people will go and like 
unless you unless you can sell what they say ice to Eskimo, which means like you got hustle mentality, you could talk to like you could talk anybody into buying anything and make friends with anybody. Like you can't just go and build a clientele straight out of school that's gonna like be successful. A small portion of people can, but I got in my entire you know it being in this industry i haven't seen a lot of people that could just go and like go rent a booth and be successful because if you don't have like where you go get your clientele or steadily posting and all that you still got to hustle for it, you know but if you don't have no clientele to keep you busy then that's where you start being like well this isn't for me you know what i'm saying because you're not you got to stay motivated yeah, yeah actually yeah i mean what you're talking about happen i think it happens way more than um what anybody talks about and it'd be nice to get some actual data on that uh to see how many people who go straight from school into renting a booth uh are still renting a booth maybe three years later and and then three to five years later are they still even doing hair i'd be curious to know what the statistics are um but hey so i'm curious so you so you go to school you go you get an apprenticeship program you go through the apprenticeship program you get on the floor and then um tell us how long were you at the salon and then like what happened after so, that so i always knew like you know like so you have certain kind of hairdressers. You have the hairdresser that wants to be straight successful behind the chair. You have the hairdresser that wants to be successful behind the chair, plus do photo shoots and do other stuff. And then you have the hairdresser that wants to be successful behind the chair, but also do hair shows, you know, and do the stage. My goal was always, I want to be on stage, you know, and I want to do, I want to grow to that, you know. So after I got on the floor, I started doing clients and then uh, I knew that I was going to, because of her, that we a lot of us were going to be educators, you know? So that's when I think after like two or three years of being on the floor, that's when I went to uh, see back then it wasn't no social. There was no, I, again, I've been doing hair for 20 something years, you know, Instagram wasn't around yet. Facebook was around. You didn't post stuff like this on for Facebook back then, you know, it, it wasn't, it just wasn't the thing. But, and so it was all about handing your cards, word of mouth, uh, treat your clients so amazing that they're going to bring you all these clients, you know, hand out all your cards, all the cards you can go everywhere you go, hand out cards. Cause you know, if you're not advertising them, cause it wasn't like social media to post your picture video and all that. And so once uh, so whenever you wanted to be an educator, you would actually have to go and uh, apply to a company, a brand, whichever brand you want to be. Which we worked at a Paul Mitchell Focus Salon. So again, even then, the, uh, the school I went to, there was no Paul Mitchell School Salons. I think there was one, and I think that might have been the Costa Mason. And because uh, this was in 2000, 2001. Yeah, I went to school in 2000, so it was like 2001, 2002. So the school I went to, <laughs> I didn't learn anything. Like, uh, like literally, they gave me. <laughs> I remember color theory. Uh, so I don't know if they have to do now anymore. But when I was in cosmetology school, you had to do like hair, nails, and facials because you because we were licensed for all that. Right. And so, but 
I didn't really take the facial thing serious. And I think I might have done a couple hours. And then the nail things, my teacher loved me so much that she would get me out of doing that. You know? And I think the only two girls I did a pedicure on, I was like, they went to the store and I was like, I got to look at your feet before I even touch them things because they're busted. I'm not doing it. So our color theory, I just remember uh, the instructor was an amazing. Uh, he worked at a salon for years, but the school that wasn't about, they're all about the money. And like, it was like, you might learn the basics. So literally what I learned was in the salon I worked at, you know, because, oh, and I even, I remember like, when being in cosmetology school, and this was when Tony and Guy and uh, Vis- uh, Visible Changes was like the, the, the salons to be at uh, out here, you know? Like, if you wanted to be in a popular salon, that's where you wanted to be, you know? And uh, I just remember I would go, like, if I was in the mod, or just watch them cut, like, through the window, because uh, Visible Changes is all glass, you know? So I would watch them do whatever they were doing, you know? And not really thinking, like, anything about it like that I just like them watching them do the art you know because I was in cosmetology school again so then when I went to the salon I worked at it was all about education and education so when I got on the floor then uh, a few of us started at the uh, Paul Mitchell program together the, so we I guess because of her she was already kind of up there in the company so they let us in the program you know not I think like five of us uh, went and applied me, and then we had to go to Austin, and uh, and that's actually, I'll tell you, I don't even know, but it's when the Austin and Paul Mitchell School, I think they were like a, two years old or something. That's how far back it was, and uh, went there, and you would have to go to like a training thing, and they would you would go, and you had to, uh, how would it go? You went for two the first day. It's like they would like go over everything, you know, and then the second day you would like you would do it and you would have to like talk in front of people. But, you know, and then they were like uh, grading you on everything, how you spoke and how you presented and all that. And I think that's sometimes the education that's missing. Sometimes I think it's cool that because of social media, you could go be an independent educator wherever. But sometimes nobody gets this wrong. I'm not just like. The way you, the way it's taught is like, it's almost like I could teach you the way I do it in the salon, but some, I might not be able to teach you a technical way if you have a mistake, like, like a technique, you know, because even the way you're taught is like, it's almost like if you went to school to be a teacher and they, the way you're presenting stuff is you're able to present it in like a technical form, but also in a creative form, you know? And so you're able to like, kind of dissect both to teach two people, you know? But sometimes you'll get lost if you're just teaching creative way because there is hairdressers that are, like, organized, give me a pad and pencil and all that. And, and and so sometimes even then when we would go, like, to the training for the as an educator, I, I might even have it. I don't even know. But they would give you, like, a, a list of every every color line, right? Because when you go teach a class, you can't go say, hey, your color lines. If you're trying to like get some uh, whole salon to carry your color line, but they carry already another line, because they've been carrying it for years, right? They love it. And you can't be like, hey, your color line sucks. 
because yours, the one you're trying to sell might be better, right? You might have certain things that are better, uh, but you can't say, hey, you're, this is, mine's better because you have to be like, yours does this and ours does this and it's comparing contrast. Now, can you see the benefits of why, my, you know? So you would have, actually have to go and like even learn like the color line, like the other color line, because you would have to like know why the benefits of what you're selling. So it wasn't like you were just selling it because you didn't believe it. It's almost like, hey, you have to believe it if you're going to sell it. You know? So it's almost like you can't just go BS your way through it, you know? And that's one thing is that salon. Uh, so I went and then I became a palm educator and did that. And so, like I said, to become an educator, it wasn't like how it is now. They hit up your social media and, hey, we see you. I mean, you definitely have to put in work before they hit you up. but. You could definitely get on stage because to get high back in the day to get on stage first it was a lot of sorry it, i'm gonna talk blunt it was a lot of like uh which I, i'm not like that i don't like to kiss anybody's butt about you know what i'm saying and i don't like to like laugh at fake jokes if they're not funny and that's what it was it was like unless you're in this inner circle you're going to get on stage to hold somebody's foil to, to assist them, but you're never going to get on stage. You know? Right. So it wasn't like how amazing you are, or how long you've been in the company. It's like, unless you're in the inner slate, because every group had, you know what I'm saying? Everybody, every, every group had like their own group that would come on right. stage. It was like kind of clicky. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it was like, unless you're, laughing at you know unless you're trying to play the the kids butt game it's, it was going to be hard for you to it didn't matter how good you were you know but so uh, I did that for a, what it was is like once I let so the owners that at the salon that I worked for they also used to own the Paul Mitchell school in Houston and so I would do a lot of uh, like the our, the stylists there we would do a lot of guest artists worked there at the Paul Mitchell School. But then I started going a lot up there to teach. But you even then you would you couldn't you would have to decipher like you're coming in as an airside but if you're not uh doing like a class like as a guest artist and you're just coming on a regular day, you can't talk, you gotta talk to them in like a basic way. Like you can't talk to them in salon reality way. You know what I'm saying? You still gotta tell them because that's where they're at. So they don't want you to confuse them. You know what I'm saying? And so I did that. So but when I left that salon, uh, it was after like almost nine years I worked there. So I was there for almost nine years. And uh, I was working at the time. Uh, I don't know if y'all know Wes. Wes does hair. I think, I was, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, his, name's, yeah. He, his name's pretty big now. But he worked with us at the salon. So he came at, I was, I think I was already working there like six years or something like that when he came. And it was funny because that's actually, because uh, he was at the, at that age where, when it, that's when Instagram started popping, right? And he's at that generation. But I was like, I didn't even care about Facebook that much back then. Because I was like, man, because I was like, I don't need that to get clients. Like I, I was already building clients, I already had clients and it was all about cars. Word of mouth cars everywhere you go, and our salon was pretty known. And so, uh, 
But I remember, I just remember like he was he he was the because he was at that age and he was started doing this Instagram thing and I was like, man, what's that, man? You spending too much time. And this is when it was first. It's when like Guy Tang was first putting. So the thing was, some hairstylists got lucky and hit the waves. Big time. And it wasn't because they were, don't get me wrong, they were, it wasn't because they were <laughs> talented. It wasn't, had nothing to do with talent. It's, they were at the, at the generation that was uh, on Instagram. So say, yeah. for example, if Instagram first happened, right, or any social media platform, and everybody's posting pictures, right? Not a hair, just pictures. And you're the first one that starts posting hair pictures. Well, now everybody that's a hairdresser is like, oh, shit. This, you know, so now you're getting a big. And back then, there was no algorithm. That's like. It was all about posted, time. You were able to catch. I think they were able to catch like a, a couple hundred followers in a couple of days. You know, like you would see people like grow like in a year, they would grow like 50,000 followers. But some of them were back then, some of them were fake, you know. But that out that fakeness helped them grow because people didn't know that they were fake, so they were following because right. they would see big accounts, you know, they're like, oh, this person must be popping because they already have big numbers. But then because they were buying followers, but then people started catching on to it because if you have big followers that only had like minimal likes, then now they have to start buying likes. Well then they got with that, then they then happen is like. Now you have minimal comments. Right. <laughs> so then all of a sudden, one day, like I think Instagram like hit them robots where they deleted all the robots and people's like accounts started like delete, like their numbers started going down like crazy. But I just remember like once I went off on my own, like a lot of us were uh, that were at that salon, stuff went on where you know you get to a point where all right. Certain people will feel like they hit the, the growth, you know, at where they're at. And it could be for different things, you know. Uh, I think I'm not going to speak for us, but I think a lot, the majority of reason why people leave salons has nothing, not all the time, but it has to, a lot of time it has nothing to do with money. A lot of times people leave salons that have been there for a long time is because they feel like they stopped growing or learning so for example if i if you're making a bunch of if you're making good money saying say you're making a couple hundred thousand then, and you feel like you can go on your own and still do it you know but you're still learning like you're still constantly growing as far as in your creative mind you you can you know that you can make more money like you might make uh a, more money going off but you're still learning so you're still getting fed some way, you know? But once you stop learning as a creative and start feeling like you could do it on your own, that's when the, the money does come into us, ask, you know what I'm saying, into it? Because now you start like, I'm not learning anything and I could go make more on my own, you know? So that's when people start leaving. But what we did is we didn't want to be in like one person's suite either. Cause that one thing about that is, it feels like work. As a hairdresser, I don't think you should feel like work. Like you have a job where you get to create, you know what I'm saying? Like people come to you so you can put whatever's on your mind, like creative wise, and put it on their head and pay you for it, you know? 
So I'm in the I'm independent at a salon right now, but it, it's like at a regular salon. But I've known the owner for so long that I just rent chairs, you know. And so she actually was with us at the independent place too. And eventually it was just me and my ex. They were uh, we had like a four chair suite, you know, and uh, like two two uh, shampoo bowls. So we had like a little mini salon, and so. Oh, I, and then I started doing independent education where I would just go and teach haircutting classes just on my own. That's why I started using social media was to get clientele and then to like do to give uh, classes, you know, because if nobody's seeing you do anything, then why I want to take a class from you? Because uh, nobody was taking classes unless they were you were in a, with the brand, you know, because you didn't have big numbers on social media. You were with right. the brand. So unless you were with the brand, you weren't going to be, your name wasn't going to be, it was going to be like in your area, but, you know, citywide or nation, it, unless you were with the brand. So it wasn't like, hey, you have a lot of followers because there wasn't a lot, a lot. Even if you had followers on Facebook, people weren't looking at that, you know, they were seeing Facebook as like family and friends. It wasn't like business and, you know, not even really social media. Like it was more like, hey, let me. They were posting pictures of, I think, food a lot back then. If you were like, it was like everybody would post, like, don't eat your food because you have to post a picture. <laughs> that was a wild. I think that was the wildest thing when people were like, before you eat, can't even eat your food. So, yeah. So, I was in the salon with uh, Wes, Chris, Crystal, and Harley. And, and so, like I said, everybody in there was independent. But what we did was instead of uh, having like independent suites, well, they ended up getting like five suites and taking down the walls. And so it, was, it looked like a mini salon, you know? And uh, the thing was like, when you work by yourself, you don't have no one to feed off of, you know what I'm saying? As far as like creativity wise, because sometimes like, uh, or bounce even ideas off of. So, so, and so it becomes like a job. Like I'm going and doing clients and then going home. Or like in between a client, you'll go sit back and now, or what happens is like, oh, I don't want to go to work today. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. so now, I don't want, you know what I mean? Or like, oh, I don't want to go to that class because what are they going to teach me? Or like, you start like gearing off of like your hustle, like what you had in gold in mind, you know, because you can now, because now you get going when you want, because you are making more money because you're not having to pay commission. but if you're doing it right, you're still having to pay money because you're having to grow, you know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, eventually, like, I think we worked together for a, a few years, but then everybody started kind of, because everybody would live different areas, but they would come. So then eventually people were moving in different areas. So that's when I went and uh, my friend had opened the salon where I'm at now and they had already opened. And so that's when I went over there. And uh, so now I work there and it's like a full salon and, and I still get a, the cool thing about it is I, I still get an assistant on all that, like the help and, but it's still, I'm um, independent. So now I do a lot of independent stuff on where, uh, I'm, you know, I'm teaching classes, but now I'm working with the uh, companies now. So what happened was. What's uh, the company? So what happened was when I was still working with Wes, uh, 
in the other suites, he was friends with, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Tatum Neal, and he has the Elevate hair. Yeah, yeah, I know Elevate hair. Yeah. Yeah, so he was friends with him. And uh, so then I, I started following Elevate and Tatum also on social media. And then eventually what he, uh, we went and did a Elevate hair in Dallas. And this was when I think Elevate was first happening. And what Elevate Hair is, is he, he has a salon. He has, I think they had two salons in Louisiana and one's in, uh, man, I don't want to get it wrong, but it's, uh, they're what, Aveda salons and, uh, they're pretty big salons and, uh, high, you know, upscale, but, uh, he, I think he was, he knew how to DJ or whatever. And he had this idea where he wanted to get his friends together and have like a you know, jam, you know, hair jam, whatever. So he started doing like these parties and he says it's more like to DJ, but then he started throwing. So they were just cut hair. It was just cutting hair. And it was just a little, like a small group of them. And it started, he started doing them in Louisiana. So then eventually, you know, cause he's friends with big, a lot of the people in the industry. So then he started adding people and eventually it grew. So now it's like large, but I started doing it, uh, went and did Elevate. I think the first one was in uh, was in Louisiana, actually, and did it with them. And I was like, I thought it was the coolest shit because it was like, you're at a venue, but it's like a it's like a, a party, like if you went to like the club or whatever, but there's hair going on, you know, people are jamming out. And it's not, you, and I was used to like, you're being on stage, but you're having to talk and teach people, you know? Well, now nah, this was just like, you get your model and you jam out. So. And so I was like, man, this is tight. So then throughout the years, I kept doing it with them in Dallas. And then every time they would come in Houston, I would do it. So he started going in, in every city. Uh, so Elevate, you'll see Elevate. So if anybody's out there and you're not following Elevate here, definitely follow them because they do some awesome shows. And if they're ever in your city, definitely check them out. But the cool thing about them is they get a lot of the local people, you know. And so it brings a lot of the local people together. So then I did that for years. and then. Uh, right before the pandemic, right before COVID, one of uh, me and my friend Eric, uh, we were chilling at, at my at my place, and uh, we were hanging out. And I was like, for a while, I've, I've been wanting to do something like a hair party, you know. And I could definitely uh, say that because of Elevate, that's one of they gave me the vision, and I always give them credit because that's where the vibe grew from was. I took what he was doing, like uh, the inspiration of like doing doing hair on stage, you know. But then uh, I just wanted to like not just invite like hairdressers, you know. So I wanted to invite artists too. So it started with like let's do a hair gym, you know, because they weren't coming because they were going to every city. So it wasn't like they were in the city all the time. So you would have to wait, you know, unless you want to travel. And so I was like, man, let's do a hair jack, you know. And so then we're like. I mean, we could do it because I already knew a lot of the people, you know, I had good friends in the industry and I knew a lot of the hairdressers here. So I was like, and so we started thinking the names, you know, and I was like, and I always used to say, man, we vibe different, vibe different, vibe, you know, we vibe different. It's a vibe. So then I was like, so like vibe. and I was like, the vibe. So then it was like, instead of TAG, because we also had to figure out on social media was taking, you know, so then I was like, so then we switched it all up and I was like, it was T-H-A, so like 
Duh. So it, when you say it, you have to say, you know, it's more suave, you know, like the vibe. So wherever it was like B-I-I-B, so it's like it's spelled different, the vibe, but then it's also like we vibe different. You know? So that's where vibe different came from. So it's like a double conantra, whatever they call it, you know. So then what it was, it was just like, it was just going to be like hair. Uh, uh, and then I was like, well, let me get a makeup artist to you. Well, I think one person brought a makeup artist with them, the first one. And and then I started inviting artists to do like painting live on canvas, body painters. And so the first one we had was like right before COVID and it went amazing. Like we had got a venue and just promoted it ourselves where uh, so what I just got my friends to shoot it out on their stories, you know, where get all your friends shoot out on their stories, get everybody that you have on there, shoot it out on their stories. My theory was like, hey, if you get 20 people to do the show and everybody invites two people, you're at least going to have, you know, enough people come. But, you know, the more people you have, the more. But my thing was like, I didn't want to limit the amount of people that wanted to do it, you know. So I try to shoot it out to as many local hairdressers, barbers, you know, that wanted to do it. And at first, certain people were like, well, I've never heard of it, you know. So you would have some of the bigger names like, well, I've never heard of it, so I don't know if I want to, you know. So, but I was like, that's all good. Just come to it. <laughs> and when you come to it, put it on your stories. <laughs> so then uh, from there, we had our first event right before COVID. And I just remember it was, had an amazing turnout. I think we had a, like 350 people come to it. Uh, it was like awesome show. And uh, and we we're like so pumped up and like literally like we we're thinking about like when's the next one? Once and then COVID hit. Like we we're like, what? What's this COVID? You know, lockdown happened. And then uh, from there, that's actually where my clothing brand came up. 